It's Doug's favorite time of year. The Locked On Podcast Network goes through its first mock draft, mock draft 1.0. The Charlotte Hornets have a couple of picks in the first round, and we figured out a different way to navigate with those two picks. Plus, we give you another player capsule with P.J. Washington this time. That's all today on the Locked On Hornets podcast. Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cause we live. We live. It's Locked On Hornets. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Doug is beep bopping because we have a mock draft, a part of the network. He is excited. And he said, hey, Walker, look, he sent me a million text messages. I know we we have this one guy available at 13. But what if we go in this different direction at 13 and then select that guy at 15? Uh Uh Here's another scenario. What do you think about this? Doug is feeling it. And you know what? Doug got me excited because I think it's going to make for an excellent conversation. Huge season. We're going to talk about it in just a moment. Thanks for making us your first listen. We're free and available on all platforms. That includes YouTube. Follow us on Twitter at Walker Mail at Doug Branson, LOH, and the show handle at Locked On Hornets, where Doug and maybe just the account altogether revealed the mock draft that was going on in real time. And then I I, I know at least Locked On Magic. I may have spoiled it. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I don't know the rules. I, I've I'm never excited. Known. No one told me there were no rules. I, 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 I was excited. Are. You threw a mock draft at me. I didn't even know we were doing mock drafts. I'm just, I, it's been a while since I've been on the show, you know, when we were in mock draft season. Oh man, I'm excited. Well, what's funny is I never know the rules on that either. Even the past two mock drafts, I never know if we're supposed to talk about what we do in real time. I don't know if we're supposed to wait for it all to be revealed. So Doug just said, screw it. I'm going to take a screenshot and I'm going to give it to the public immediately. And then Philip Rossman Reich of the Locked On Magic podcast says, well, I'm all right, sorry. That's it. I guess the, the cat's out of the bag, but not ours because <laughs> when Doug managed to ruin everybody else's pick, to the public, but we didn't know we were going to take at that point. As we know, the Hornets have the 13th and the 15th overall selection. They had that extra first round pick in the trade with Devontae Graham because the Pelicans got into the playoffs. And because of that, we got an extra pick. So two picks in the first round, you can be really creative. Now the tankathon lottery gods, they were not as kind to us as they've been a couple of times on this show. We ended up getting that 13th and 15th pick. And that's the best odds. That's exactly what's supposed to happen in real time. 13 comes on the board, Doug. Talk to the people about how you texted me with your thinking process and what you were wanting to do compared to how the board played out. Okay, well, let's talk about how the board played out. And then I will reveal my my thought process. So um, let me, I think I can actually get this thing on the screen, if you will. Okay, I'll yes. let you. Let's. I'll yeah, give you the if time. You'll, if you'll just allow me to get this on the screen. Okay. Now, will the technology allow you to do that? Well, you see, that's press a million buttons hoping that it comes up. This you time? know, that's always, uh, that's always the thing is <laughs> will the technology bear with me? And, you know, let me just here, I'm going to get everybody You're, off the screen and just really focus for those on listening and not watching. We appreciate your patience during this time. This is how we yeah, roll. Okay, here yes. Is. There sh- we sh- go. Sh- sh- here it is. Right. Well, first of all, I was confused because <laughs> yes. Uh, well, because you must respect the mock draft. I have the mock draft on the screen right now and I will read it for the people who are, are listening on audio. But the first thing I want to note is that this 
document, I believe created by our uh, fearless leader, Nick Angstead of the Locked On Mavericks podcast, is titled LONBA Mock Lottery 5.9, which I didn't immediately recognize as the date at which we did it. I thought I thought we had missed um, uh, multiple mock drafts, at least 20 of them, if we're already at 5.9. But this is actually Mock Lottery 1.0 on 5.9, May 9th. And with the number one <laughs> overall selection, the Orlando Magic take... Paolo Bancaro, that surprised me. I thought Chet was going to be the pick. Paolo gets to be the pick, the number one overall selection. Jabari Smith goes second to Oklahoma City. Chet Holmgren goes third. This opens up a, a, a discussion point for me, which is that like yeah. Chet Holmgren, it, it, I guess, is not a lock at number one, right? So like the Hornets, if they want to package this kind of thing, and let's just tell everyone the rules, there were no packages, there were no trades, we couldn't trade up. This was just simple mock lottery basics um so but but it looks like maybe possibly the hornets could move up to three four and have a shot at chet holmgren yeah and i don't think chet is a lock to go number one overall and and so it, it's funny that the houston rockets actually had the third overall pick because in some of the tank lottery simulations we've done houston will get the number one pick and i don't think they're going to take chet holmgren if it's uh them at number one and i don't Orlando is interesting because they've always drafted just a, a bunch of really tall, long athletic guys to try to defend more. So, and here they would be doing it again with Chet. I actually understand the Palabon Kara move, but you're right. Mm -hmm. If Chet falls to three, then you are at least in some kind of position to package something up and try to go get him. It would still take a lot, but yeah, it, it obviously favors the Hornets if they do want to make that move. Okay, I was able to get you and I on the screen as you were talking. I didn't hear a word you said because I was focused on getting us on the screen, but our faces are now on the screen. Okay, Detroit Pistons at four are going to take Shaden Sharp. Jaden Ivey goes fifth to the Pacers. Keegan Murray goes sixth to the Blazers. A.J. Griffin goes seven to the Kings. Benedict Mathurin goes eight uh, to the Pelicans. All right, here's where it gets interesting. Jalen yep. Duren, somebody that I think would be perfect for the Hornets but is probably going to be outside of their range, goes nine to San Antonio. Can I stop you there? So if yes. we don't move up for a Chet yeah. Holmgren, <clears throat> because maybe he falls to like three overall, uh -huh. I wonder if Jalen Duran is one of those guys too. You know, okay, so so now we're at nine. We have 13 and 15, a part of Charlotte. You you can get up if you want to. You know, like, like you can go all the way up to nine or eight if you really want to at that point. I don't know how much you would have to give up, but it's not like moving up to three where it's going to take a ton, probably to the point where you're not going to be able to do it. If you like Jalen Duran that much, this is a possibility. Just want to Well, stop. I'll say, you know, we're still pretty early in this draft process. The Combine's coming up on the 16th. I doubt Duran or any of these top, you know, 10 players are going to participate. It seems like that's sort of the, the, the vibe these days. You don't go to the Combine anymore. But uh, we've got a lot of workouts and things to do. I, I just have a feeling Duran is one of those players that's going to go far farther up than farther down and out of reach of the of the Charlotte Hornets mm -hmm. unless they want to get serious about really moving up. Here's where thing I've already said they've gotten interesting, so here's where things get super interesting. At 10, the Washington Wizards take Malachi Branham who I was looking, I don't know anything about this guy because I haven't watched a ton of college basketball. I'm still catching up. But I do know a, a lot about mock drafts, and I've been looking <laughs> at them. And a lot of them have this guy in the 15 to 20 range. Mm -hmm. So this was a major reach, but that happens in the draft. And especially when you're 13, somebody's going to reach 1 through 12, and that means someone's going to fall. We just didn't know who at the time. So the New York Knicks take Dyson Daniels, 
Walker. I've been seeing a lot of mock drafts starting to gravitate towards Dyson Daniels being a opportunity for the Hornets, possibly at 13. This is a G League Ignite player. It's a long, tall guard that they feel like would play really well next to LaMelo Ball. What do you think about Dyson Daniels? Yeah, I, I like that kind of fit. You know, we've talked about having a center, defensively minded center. And if you go towards somebody that has the ability to at least play good perimeter defense and then maybe match up with LaMelo in case of a Terry Rozier trade, that would be interesting. Also, you have to wonder about the James Booknight effect. You're not worrying about that during draft time. You're just taking who you think is going to be a good player. But still, those are some interesting storylines that would come from that selection. Okay, so at 12, we're getting close. Oklahoma City Thunder takes Jeremy uh, Sohan. And that was, you know, a player that we've talked a lot about. We talked a lot on right? I do. I mean, I yeah. just feel like you you need I mean, he has a lot of the tools defensively and, and ball movement. I just think it's like a perfect kind of fit for the perimeter defense. So here we are at 13. If you're watching on YouTube, we've already spoiled the pick. But if you're listening, we dis- so we have a lot of options here, Walker. We've got Mark Williams still on the board. We've got Walker Kessler still on the board to fill that center position. Agbaji uh, is still on the board. The the Kansas um, Kansas player who played really well in the tournament. Okay, so a lot of options. So at thirteen, though, we commune together on text and decided we put this on Twitter. By the way, and Twitter said Mark Williams, Mark Williams, yeah, Mark yeah, Williams, yeah. grab Mark Williams. But we decided to go Johnny Davis out of Wisconsin. Walker, why did you agree? Because you were you were saying just make the easy pick, go Mark Williams, and I said hold on a second, let's let's think about this. If we if we grab Johnny Davis, who's falling by the way, in a lot of mock drafts, mock drafts have him at nine, eight. I've seen him as far as like seven, six. So this guy's falling into our laps. Why don't we consider that instead of going Mark Williams? What was your thought process? Well, no, I, I like the the scenario that you proposed to me saying now mm-hmm. hold on one second let's not take mark williams here because right behind the charlotte hornets reside the cleveland cavaliers who are mm-hmm. huge they have jared allen they have evan mobley they right. have a whole bunch of tall dudes in their starting lineup including right. laurie Mar- markinen now i don't know if that would affect the way that they choose but you have to imagine that the odds would be that Mark Williams would be available at 15. And you said, let's just go ahead and take Johnny Davis here. If you don't know Johnny Davis, he was a two-year player at Wisconsin. He had a monster year in the Big Ten this past season. He averaged almost 20 points per game. He shot 40, almost 47% from two-point range. Not the most efficient player. Three-point shot really held him back, but he did get to the foul line a lot, and he shot 79% there. An excellent rebounder at eight rebounds per game. Has a little bit of playmaking a part of him, but also the defense is very good. Not an explosive athlete, but that's just kind of the surface level evaluation for Johnny Davis. Uh, Doug, I don't think he's going to be, I think he's the classic, not a high ceiling, but I don't think he's going to fail in the NBA. If that makes sense. He's Dyson. He's Dyson Daniels without the ceiling. And, and defensively, I really like what he's able to do. Plus he's just tough. Like he's a big, big, strong guy, and that's going to be fun. So that, that was the thought process. Now we make that 13th selection. This is the most interesting conversation to me about how all of this played out. We kind of, we, yeah, should we have that conversation in the second segment? You think, do you want to, is that, Let's that do it. seems like you want to, all right, that's what we're going to do here because we've been going over a lot and instead we're going to do something else in the second segment. So coming up, on the Lockdown Hornets podcast.
We're going to talk about what we did with that 15th overall selection. And I think what could be the most important question, if the lottery plays out the way it did here in this mock draft 1.0 for the locked on podcast network, let's talk about prize picks though. It's easy to use NBA fans. I know you're looking for a daily fantasy option for the NBA. You need to try the award-winning app prize picks. It's daily fantasy made easy. You pick two to five players and over under on their projections. You can win up to 10 times on any entry, and it's just you versus the projected numbers. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. It's really simple. Prize Picks is safe, and it offers fast withdrawals. You can use the award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play. So for a limited time, Prize Picks has an exclusive no-brainer of an offer for all of our users. Users get $50 for free if a player in your first Prize Picks entry scores a single point but you must use code NBA. That's right. This is an exclusive offer available to locked on fans only sign up today and use code NBA $50 for free. If a player in your first prize picks entry scores a single point. So thanks to prize picks for supporting the show. Also thanks to athletic greens for supporting the show. So what is this stuff? I'll tell you with one delicious scoop, of AG1. You're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. The special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. All of those things is what AG1 is going to be able to benefit. So to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NBA network. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash NBA network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right, let's get back to mock draft talk coming up next on the Locked On Hornets podcast. This is Locked On Hornets. Have you fallen out of love with uh, Lonnie Walker yet, or are you still in love with him? I think there's still a chance. Yeah, I think I there's know, still a too. chance. Yeah. I think he's uh, <laughs> playing pretty well right now. It's time for more of the Locked On Hornets podcast. The conversation I want to have, you really like that beat. The conversation I want to have about the 13th and 15th pick is mm-hmm. – the scenario where there is a clear guy that fits so well with Charlotte. It's mm-hmm. in the range he's supposed to go. In fact, mm-hmm. m- maybe a little bit behind even, you know, I, mm-hmm. I, it's not crazy surprising that he's available at 13, but perhaps a little behind. It just seems like the perfect storm for the Hornets to take Mark Williams, but instead Hornets us, we take Johnny Davis thinking that the Cleveland Cavaliers are not going to go with another seven footer with just a wingspan that goes for days because they already have three, a part of their significant lineup. So 14 happens and they take Ochai Abaji out of Kansas. You saw him win the national championship against North Carolina in, uh, in, in the NCAA tournament. And I know that's kind of been somebody that, uh, that a lot of people have kind of likened the Hornets to take too. But the conversation here, Doug, is do you flirt with going ahead and taking a chance on a defensive-minded guard or somebody falling, basically not the center, having Cleveland behind you, knowing that they're not going to, or thinking they're not going to take the center at least, risk somebody trading up with Cleveland to go ahead and take that Mark Williams, or if it is a Jalen Duran, mind you. And do you just go ahead and take that risk understanding that maybe at 15 somebody jumps you and they take them and then you don't have the center you wanted to take anyway like absolutely for me, 
you're, you're you're taking that risk is what that was what your answer is. Yeah, I think we're do I think the Hornets should do exactly if they don't want to move the two picks for uh, some kind of veteran or to move up uh, because they fall in love with you know, I don't know any of these players, a Chet Holmgren, uh, Jalen Duran, you know, if they want to move up, I think that's an option. The point is they have options and Johnny Davis fell as a result of that Branham reach. And so if there is a, a reach in this draft and you feel like you have an opportunity to Sohan or a Davis, uh, then I think you take that swing at 13 and keep that player out of the hands of the Cavaliers knowing that the Cavaliers are probably not going to go big. And and also this, consider this, okay? Even if they had gone Mark Williams, Walker Kessler's sitting right there. So you could take, we honestly, if the Cleveland had selected Mark Williams, I wouldn't have been heartbroken. I'd just take Kessler. Yeah, the problem is I'm not a huge fan of Kessler. So that, <laughs> well, that's your problem, not my problem. <laughs> that is my problem. You're right. So we might disagree on that. I, I like Mark Williams as the guy there. I just think Mark Williams more athletic. His standing reach is insanely tall. And can he's a he really- switch though? Can he switch? You know, that's a big thing with these bigs well, now. It's well, like, that's can the he thing switch? With Kessler though, like I just don't look at Kessler and think he's going to be able to switch. That's my problem. I think Mark Williams has a lot better opportunity to do that on the perimeter mm. instead of a Walker Kessler who is just really tall. You plant him right in front of the basket, which is great, right? Like he gives you the rim protection. He was a really good shot blocker this past season, but so was Mark Williams. And Mark Williams shot 73% from the foul line. He has that touch. He shot over 70% from the field this past season. So the guy just dunked everything and he has touch. I I really like Mark at that spot. It's why I probably am just the safe, better. Let's just go get Mark Williams. I don't want anybody to jump in front of the Hornets at 15 and then take them. Yeah, because we did. That's a that's a great point. We didn't have the trade ski option like none of the other non-lottery teams uh, or any of these lottery teams had the opportunity to put a package together to get to 14. What well, you know, I totally agree. Favorite. Draft is going to be, this is going to be one of the more even though they are sitting in 13 and 15, which is typically not as interesting as say, you know, when they had the third overall pick. Like that's very interesting. Um but I think this could be even more interesting because you have so many options with the 13th yeah. and 15th pick. Yeah, I I totally agree. And and somebody else I don't even know if a Christian Coloco is going to move up the board that high. Like I'll tell you this, the big man out of Arizona, watching him in the PAC 12 tournament, watching him in the first couple of wins they had in the NCAA tournament. I just watched that guy and think, wait, why is he not going up as far as these other rim protectors? You know, he's, he's an awesome defender and he's going to have to get stronger. That looks like a frame that can put on weight. And so I, I really like what Christian Coloco can bring. So maybe if it wasn't Mark Williams, does Coloco move up the board that much? It might be considered a reach too. I don't know, but there's going to be a couple of interesting scenarios to take place with the Charlotte Hornets. Just very quickly, um, Johnny Davis is projected to the Hornets at 13 on my favorite website, Tankathon, where we often go to do the uh, lottery you know, simulator. So that's interesting. I think the one thing that you would be slightly disappointed with Johnny Davis is that you're essentially taking the fifth best player at his position at 13th because this draft is so shooting guard heavy. It's Ivy, it's Sharp, it's Mathurin, it's Dyson Daniels, and then it's Johnny Davis. So, you know, that's always tough. You'd like to take, you know, the second or third at 13, you'd like to take the second or third best player at their position, a, but this is shooting yeah. guard heavy draft. And you know what's different? I mean, he's just a classic 
solid all around guy. You know, like he he's just I just so don't the think Hornets he's need fail. right now. By the way, they got well, Lamelo Ball. Like they've nailed their yeah. stage. If the, if the Hornets didn't have Lamelo Ball, we're having a different conversation. Well, and you know who else fit that bill? It was PJ Washington when he was drafted. And we'll move on to the player council because Sag, wait, PJ Washington fit that exact bill. And I kind of looked at that as a negative at the time. That was a little bit of a different situation, though, because I did think the Miles Bridges, P.J. Washington back-to-back selection, uh, selections was redundant. We t- talked yesterday with Miles how that's not necessarily the case anymore. Those two can play just fine enough. In fact, pretty damn well on the floor with one another. And at that point, you needed a lot of talent. Mitch Kupchak was outright telling you how much talent they needed, almost to the derogatory way of the players on the team. He just flat mm-hmm. out would say, we need more talent. Goodness gracious, help us, please. Can we get some all-star talent on this roster? Mm-hmm. And I never thought PJ would be that guy. And even if he's not, you know how much I'm a huge part of the PJ Washington fan club. Sure. It improved so much defensively, Doug. That That's the point to look at. You can look offensively and his points per game didn't raise to this huge amount like Miles Bridges did. It's not like his three point percentage, you know, climbed way up the ladder, but, but defensively the guy improved so much to the point where I thought he was one of the better defenders in the league, really versatile. Borrego would put him on point guards where they're, you know, they're switching opportunities. But I remember that game where Kyrie goes for 50 on the 19 Mm -hmm. shots that he took. And there was a play where PJ, you know, he gets scored on, right? Kyrie just has this unbelievable fadeaway. But Kyrie had to go to a fadeaway. He didn't drive right by him. And it was perfect defense, just Kyrie being excellent at offense. And then you go to him playing well against Bam and some of these other all-stars. Giannis Butler, he was the player that that, that Borrego trusted. That he was the player defensively that Borrego trusted to guard Giannis to guard Butler in those in, in late game situations. So yeah, defensively I agree Walker, but I don't I also don't want to slight his offense b- because while it didn't like dr- it didn't dramatically improve overall, his his shot profile really changed from last season. He took he took more threes this season, less twos overall. More of his rim runs were self-created than last season. He was much more effective handling the ball than he has been in years past. And when he got to the rim, he made it way more often than he did in previous seasons. It yeah. led to an overall dramatic improvement in his two-point game despite taking more threes than twos than he did last season. But here's the interesting thing with PJ. His shot profile changed again in the last 15 games of the season, which was a really important stretch for the Hornets. It really allowed them to get into the play-in game those last 15 games. He took way more twos than threes, so he flipped the script on his overall season shot profile, and he scored at the rim at a 73% clip. He was dominant at the rim for the Charlotte Hornets when he moved into that starting role. And that's a big storyline for PJ this season. What went right when he was inserted to the starting role, he looked like an NBA starting power forward slash sometimes center. I mean, the guy improved. If you just look from that zero to three foot range from the basket last year, he shot 61%, which is not good, especially for somebody that's going to be down there, even 
defensively. And now this year, you look at him, he increased 10 percentage points at 71.1%. It was excellent to see. And it was, and honestly, Doug, at the beginning of the season, in fact, I still think that number was struggling through the first like 15 games. And it was like, great, man. You know, PJ, while he might be a good defender, he's not improving in the area he needed to improve most, which is just finishing at the basket. I remember asking him about it in last year's exit interviews, or maybe actually maybe it was this year's uh, media day before the season started. And I was like, is there something going on where you feel like you were just short arming? You weren't getting as good enough position. And he's like, no, they're just not going in. I mean, I don't know what to tell you. They just weren't going in last year. I always thought that might be an outlier because it's not like PJ's weak. He's not soft. I I always thought he'd be able to finish there at a higher clip and he did this season. So that's great. You're right to bring that up. The three point shot. He's still a good three point shooter. You still want him taking those shots. And Doug, at the end of the day, how valuable of a player is that for somebody to be that versatile defensively to have increased his handle to the point where you don't, you know, go tense up anytime he has the basketball His turnover percentage went down and he can hit open threes with a guy like LaMelo being able to penetrate and kick out. Mm -hmm. I, how valuable of a player is that to winning ways in the NBA? I think it's extremely valuable, and that's why I am team keep PJ. Hopefully, they find a way to do so. Uh, and I think they will. We should we should talk about that in the next segment. His contract situation and and what's what's going on there. But I'll just say this: like the way he played and changed his game, and the way we talked about it in the last episode. Go check it out. Miles Bridges, our season in review on him. The way his game changed. It changed. They both had game changes that that in effect allowed them to play better together, and made Gordon Hayward a little bit more dispensable uh, than he would have been otherwise. I think it makes you more comfortable moving him if it's possible in some kind of trade because you know that you can effectively play those two players together and I think PJ's game opens up even more if you do add a defensive center presence where he's not having to focus so much on on you know playing that center position going small he can and it's it will be a valuable tool for them but they had to use that tool way too often and I think you see even more improvement from PJ if that continues one more quick thing uh, that he improved on and, and was went right for him this season. And that's clutch numbers. Surprisingly, he was one oh, of the better awesome. clutch players for the Charlotte Hornets this season. He averaged two points per game that put him third on the team behind Terry Rozier and Miles Bridges. His field goal percentage was 54.5% which was crazy high, one of the highest on the team, apart from Cody Martin, I mean, Ish Smith, but these were guys that were not getting a ton of clutch minutes. You know, they had games. P.J. Washington had a season of clutch baskets. His three-point percentage was 40% in those clutch minutes. Uh, He was excellent when the game mattered. And I did pull a quote here that Miles Bridges said to Rod Boone that I think really sums up P.J.'s season and what went right for him. He says, quote, He does a lot of the little stuff for us. He rebounds the ball. Sometimes he guards the best player, makes all the right plays. He's been great for us. Coming off the bench, going into the starting lineup, that kind of reminded me of last year. He's been great for us. So I give P an A-plus this year. There you go. There's a grade from Miles Bridges. We'll talk more about P.J. Washington on what went right. Plus, what else is coming on the Lockdown Hornets podcast is the negatives that took place with P.J., maybe some other things that he can work on, and we're going to talk about that contract situation because that is going to be very interesting as this next season plays out for the former Kentucky product. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. You can find all the latest odds, news, and sports development 
developments, including this year's basketball playoffs, Major League Baseball scores, fights, and even next season's NLF futures. Ooh, BetOnline is your continued source for all your sport wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today. Did I say NLF and do they mean NFL? Yeah, well, I think, think uh, did you just Ron Burgundy it again? Well, the thing is, I didn't know if that was some type of like future type thing where I didn't know if it was like some drone racing or something. I Yeah, I didn't know if there was something else I didn't know, but NLF, I'm just going to go ahead and see yeah, uh, Ron Burgundy again. I was going to I was going to mention it next segment. I'm glad you I just I just don't understand why NFL like, look, that at some point that has to be them. At some point, it has to be the people that write it up. Hey, Nick, somebody stop making me look like a fool, but you should still. (laughs) That's my job. That's my job. Quit taking my job. Head to the website today or use your mobile device so you can bet on all of the NFLF super stuff, future stuff, all of that. Bet online where the game starts. We're going to try to get things right in the next segment on the Locked on Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. You, you think no, Russ? Do you think he's coming Hard, out? Listen, and- listen. Okay. Listen, number one, number one. Are you listening? Number yes. one, he's a certified gamer. Number mm-hmm. two, part game. Don't rust. I'm with Part game. Don't rust. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. All right. Some of the other things I wanted to mention about PJ Washington. Just one more thing, real quickly. This is going to be Miles Bridges' uh, situation that happened last. Uh, that happened so this last is what episode. went right. This is another thing that went right. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just overall, if you were to tell me that his three point percentage went down by, you know, twenty percentage points or two, I guess two, not twenty, but two, right? Thirty-eight. To <laughs> that would be dramatic. If that it went down be, twenty, that would be, be bad. Problem. No, 38 to 36. If it went down two percentage points, I don't know if I would have said he shot 47% from the field. And the other thing here, Doug, is Mm -hmm. I I, I hate to keep bringing it up, but the corner threes for PJ again, it was, it's just, it's just a thing that happened to everybody. Like PJ shot 31% from that spot on the floor. I just, he wasn't hitting them. Miles Bridges, PJ Washington. It's supposed to be the easiest three on the NBA court. And we made life so hard for ourselves here in Charlotte because nobody could hit him. I just think you, it, to to see that and figure there's more, more untapped deficiency for PJ. Mm-hmm. If he goes up, you know, if he shoots better from the corner, his three-point shot goes up. And yeah. it's not like I think this finishing at the basket is some outlier. I think that can keep up to at least some degree. There's just going to be some better stuff for PJ there as well as we move on. And if that does then you have to imagine he's going to continue to earn more money on this next contract. That's an interesting situation here, Doug, because you're going to have to try to keep miles bridges. We both assume that they're going to match whatever offer she comes his way in restricted free agency. You know, LaMelo money has to be set aside for him. You're going to give him the max offer. That's just something that is non-negotiable. You are going to make sure you take care of LaMelo. You got to get off of the money that you paid Gordon Hayward we're going to see about Terry Rozier, what they decide to do with him, because it's not a foregone conclusion that they want to trade him or keep him. Like he's probably the biggest wild card in all of this. We know they want to move off Gordon. We're just not sure what they want to do with Terry. So all of that being said, PJ, I mean, PJ is also a, a big wild card. Do you want to trade him a good player and get something in return or do you just risk, do you try to extend them? It doesn't happen. You end up not getting anything done before the trade deadline and then risk losing him in free agency for nothing. 
this is going to be a tough situation for the Charlotte Hornets to navigate. Yeah, so I pulled up his uh, Spotrac numbers here to look at the contract. So just to let everyone know, he is under contract with the Charlotte Hornets for $5.8 million next season. He's not, uh, other than a trade, like he's not going to go anywhere. But he is rookie extension eligible right now, which according to Spotrac, 25% cap max. That means he's eligible for a five-year, $186 million extension. That would pay him $32 million in year one. I don't think anyone is thinking that he's going to <laughs> no. get that. I love PJ. Uh, I love PJ. He's not going to make $30 million. He's probably not a $30 million a year player, right. Um, but the qualifying offer would then get extended in the next offseason at $7.9 million. So they have an opportunity to keep him in restricted free agency um, if they can't find a suitor for a trade or if they don't want to or if they can't come to some kind of agreement on the extension so that that's the deal and I think yeah the if we're talking about what went wrong for PJ it's kind of one of those situations where you know you're in a job interview and they ask you you know what your weaknesses are and you're like I just care too much like that's what this is with PJ he's played so he played so well if that voice came out of PJ Washington (laughs) I just I I played so well this season that I that I that I sort of am trade eligible, but uh, but I'm but I'm not like a superstar level, so it makes the decision really tough. That guy has a base, man. I mean, he he's got a really deep voice. To imagine that voice coming out, but you're right, PJ Washington does do a lot and and all really yeah. well. And it's one of those things that's his role. You know, they're not asking PJ to no. score too much. You know, Miles emerged and he's going to be the scorer. We know what it is with Lamelo. Nobody's going to. Take nobody should be trying to take responsibility away from him. Same thing with Terry, where he's one of the scorers on this team. I'm not saying PJ is ever going to be a player where you're like, all right, give him the basketball, let him create, even though he got a little better at handling it. At mm-hmm. the same time, this is just what his role is. And and in reality, it's probably what's getting him paid the most is the fact that this has been the role carved out for him. Now we just want to see him play maybe more power forward rather than all the time playing small ball center. Yeah, I wrote down on the uh, I wrote down on the rundown in terms of what went wrong for him this season that he's kind of turned into a little bit of a Cody Zeller, and I, I mean that as a compliment and that he's a player that you feel comfortable leading a bench unit and helping on a bench unit, but also is um, kind of a necessity as a starter too. But he lives in this weird middle ground, and and you don't if you're missing PJ you're missing a vital piece that doesn't often show up in the box score. You know, I love my box score. PJ is capable of showing up in the box score, unlike Cody Zeller. But um, but also he does a lot of things that don't show up there. So, um, yeah, it's going to be difficult, I think, for the Charlotte Hornets to make that decision. How much, how much value do you ascribe to a glue guy? That is who PJ has become. He has become the glue guy. Can you keep that glue guy and also put, a, put around the team – the pieces you know necessary to go out and actually get to a playoff series. Yeah, it's funny because Miles Bridges was reportedly offered fifteen million dollars per year over the course of four seasons, sixty million dollar contract before we got to this year. Miles Bridges nodded, confirming that. By the way, in the exit interviews he with went. Brian Winhorst, what came, was the yeah. nod like again? What was I, the nod? I think it was something. It was it was funny. He goes very okay. very subtle. I don't you know. Got to look yeah. at your camera real quick. It was like. Yeah, yeah, it's very they're very, very quick. Subtle. I barely I but if you blink, you miss that kind of nod. It was super quick. It was but it was confirmed. We saw it. I seen it. I was there. I was in the press room and I saw it. That's the kind of thing you might expect to go towards PJ, maybe at the high end, 
mm-hmm. but I still think it's worth it. I, he just, mm-hmm. Doug, he matters so much to winning. And, and this is where people get it misconstrued where it's like, oh, you think PJ Washington is this all-star, this MVP candidate, man, he's not look, an all-star like, no, he's not, but he matters so much to allow your all-stars to be great at what they do. You know, what PJ playing that small ball lineup. Plus I just envision a world, Doug, you like multi-universes allow me to, you know, bring you onto my alternate universe. <laughs> <laughs> hey, this guy just said multi-universe is like you're <laughs> it's multiverse. He said multiverse. it like you're like like you're a, like you're a grandpa coming out of the movie. Like I I didn't understand those multi-universes. You you like going to the multi-universe. <laughs> so allow you allow me to bring you to my multi-universe, my alternate one. It's the fact that the Hornets have a big guy that you can, you know, play your traditional five and maybe even just be a good defensive anchor and then go to your small ball lineup and not relinquish anything. Mm-hmm. You can have, you can have both things instead of having to rely on PJ at the center spot. You can just use that as a nice wrinkle or a small ball lineup that isn't going to give up anything defensively. That that's what I want to see. And so whether that be Mark Williams, another guy in the draft free agent acquisition, I don't, I mean, I don't even know how they would do that, you know, especially, especially with the money that they're going to have to free up. It's, it's going to, It'll be tough. I just know one thing that there is a multi universe out there where the NLF is the number one sport in the country. That is a it joke dominates. you only understand if you actually listen to the live read that Walker did. <laughs> so that's people. encouraging you to mm-hmm. listen to our advertisements. It helps feed my baby and you get some jokes every once in a while. Yeah. Listen to the live listen to the live reads and you might find a new way to make fun of me here on this podcast. All right. Thanks <laughs> for job. making it. It is your job. You do it well. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. Now make your second listen locked on NBA from the first jump ball of the play-in tournament to the last possession of the finals. Locked on experts take you deep inside the playoffs with insight and analysis affecting all 30 teams. That concludes our player capsule for PJ Washington. We'll continue this as the week rolls on. We'll also talk a little more NBA playoffs, kind of mix that in as well. Thanks again for joining us on the Locked on Hornets podcast. 